Are you ready to receive from the Lord today? We're glad that you all are here, and we welcome all of our guests. We're glad that you're here today. God has got some good things, whether you're here in the room, whether you're online, on podcasts, on live stream. We're so glad we could all join together around the Word of God and the anointing of God and receive from Him. Amen. So if you're ready, would you just welcome to the platform Dr. Terry Mize. Praise the Lord. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. You believe that? Well, say this with me. I know God is good. Say it like you mean it. I know God is good. And I know his word is truth. Amen. There'll be some times in the near future you're going to need that. You know, Jesus said that the devil has a job, and his job is to come and steal and kill and destroy. And uh, sometimes he'll do bad stuff, or all the time he'll do bad stuff, and then, t- and then tell you, Psst, Jesus did that. And so you need to know that God is a good God. You know, Renee said for many, many years, she said, when you, when you know the truth, it's easy to spot a lie. If you don't know the truth and you, you hear a lie, you think, man, maybe that's true. Yeah. But when you know the truth, then it's real obvious when the lie comes. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. You know, uh, our, our country is in such bad shape. And for the first time in, in history, it's very sad. And, uh, but they're trying to get rid of the older people. Uh, I guess you know that. And uh, they're trying to get rid of the older people, and it's because the reason they're doing that is because we know the truth. We know about World War One, World War Two. We know about Korea. We know about Vietnam. We know we know we know about the Constitution. We know about the Declaration of Independence. We we know this stuff. We live by it. And school doesn't teach it anymore, so the kids aren't aren't taught it anymore. So they can only get the truth from you. And so if you get killed off, they can teach them anything they want to. And they grow up believing the lie because they never knew the truth. So it's our job to work overtime to teach them the truth. Because Jesus said, if you, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free, either, either one. Amen. And he was talking, when he said that, he was talking about anytime, anytime one of these Bible guys, anytime one of them uses the word truth, they're not talking about tell the truth. They're talking about the word of God. Jesus said to the disciples, if you continue in my word, there's an if there, a condition. If you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples indeed. And then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Now, you know, every cop show and lawyer show and prison show and every other kind of show, you always have either a prisoner say it or a cop say it or a detective say it or a lawyer say it to the bad guy. They'll say, now tell the truth and they'll set you free. Well, they're talking about tell the truth, you know, confess your sin. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And uh, Jesus is talking about that this is the truth. And so if you'll get into his word, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth, 
then you'll be my disciples indeed. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Uh, you know, our, I see those shows all the time, and then some, some pr guy in prison or something, he'll say, well, I told the truth and didn't do me any good. It didn't set me free. No, 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 that's not what Jesus is talking about. He wasn't talking about you fessing up to what you did and telling the truth. He's talking about you getting in the truth because this is the truth. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager, and the Lord showed me that scripture where Jesus said in John 17, Father, thy word is truth. It, it did set me free because from that point, Pastor Bob, I knew if I can find it in this book, I can take it to the bank. If I can find it in here, I can make it happen. Amen. Because this is the truth. I have, I have a lot of my pastor friends introduce me at conventions and camp meetings and whatnot around the world all the time. And they say, well, it's like Brother Terry Myers says, God is good and his word is true. And I say, wait, 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 time out. I've never said in my life God's word is true. Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. Truth. And there's a vast, vast difference between true and truth. Because it may be true, the devil's picking on you. That just may be a fact. It may be true that you've got some symptoms. That may be a fact. It may be true you've just seen a bad report or bad prognosis or diagnosis from a doctor. That may be true. It may, it, it may be true that you've received an ultimatum or declaration from a family member or a government or an employer. That all may be true. That may just be a fact. But you can go into the truth, the Word of God. And see what the truth says about that thing that's just true. And change it. Because truth is the only thing that can trump truth. That can change fact. And so you can take this truth. Bob Peebles, they, they used a phrase a lot that they just made up. It's really stupid. Uh, a lot of Christians say to me all the time, hey, Brother Terry, my truth is this. I don't, you know you don't get any truth. <laughs> Nobody cares what your truth is. Your, your, your truth isn't worth, isn't worth spit. God's given you the truth. I've always said, if God wanted you to have an opinion, he'd have given you one. Oh, oh, he did, right here. God gave you an opinion right here. This, this is your opinion. Your job is to own every question, every situation in life, is to say what the famous statement Billy Graham always made in every service. He said, the Bible says. The Bible says. The Bible says. Well, Brother Terry, I think, I don't care what you think. The Bible says. Well, Terry, my opinion, I don't, I don't care about your opinion. The Bible says. Amen. But Terry, here's how God works with me. No, he doesn't. He works with you the same way he works with everybody else. He gives you the Bible and says, do it. The Bible says. We're, we're not left here to make up our own stuff. We're here to take the book, the manual, Amen. You know, I'm a pilot. If I just threw my pilot's manual away and flew like I wanted to, uh, I'd have been dead a long time ago and other folks have been dead or I'd have been certainly had my license taken away from me and put in jail because you just can't make up your own rules. You can't just say, well, here's how I thought this, this ought, ought to fly today. I, I remember when you used to be able to fly over Disneyland. You can't do that anymore. They made it, they made it a secure area. Well, just because you don't like that, and you say, well, I'm going to fly over Disneyland anyway. Well, you're not going to like the consequences. Yeah. Well, I'm an American. I can fly where I want to. No, you can't. 
There are bodies that govern those sort of things. And just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean you have the authority to do something. I have the ability to jump in a bird and fly over Disneyland, flip it upside down and fly and fly upside down over the park. I have the ability to do that. I can do that, but I don't have the authority to do it. And I'd get in serious trouble. If they didn't shoot me down, I'd get in serious trouble. <laughs> Amen? So truth is not your truth. It's not your daughter's truth. It's not your son's truth. It's not your mother-in-law's truth. Your truth is God's truth. This is the word of God. Jesus said, this is the truth. If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that easy? I don't need an opinion. How people come to me and say, Brother Tim, I'm just God's favorite. No, you're not. No, you're not. A lot of preachers get in the pulpit and say, I'm God's favorite. They say, you're a liar. You're lying in the pulpit. Amen. God doesn't love you any more than does anybody else. Doesn't love me any more than does anybody else. He doesn't say, well, honey, uh, everybody else has to do Ten Commandments. You, you, you get to do three. <laughs> everybody else has to go to church. You don't have to. You can just stay home watching your pajamas. You're, so, you're just so special, and I just love you so much, and you're my, you're my favorite. No, you're delusional. You're listening to lies of the devil that will get you in trouble. Because when he tells you stuff, it's never for your good. It's, it's, he tells you stuff that's going to rise up and bite you in the end. Right? Amen. Well, I don't know about y'all, but Renee and I are really, really, really glad to be here. We look forward to being in this church. I, I wish we was here, you know, a couple of times a year. I mean, we enjoy uh, the church, enjoy you church folks. And, of course, Bob and Ned, our dear friends, and you, Ellen, and Morgan. And Y'all need marriage counseling? <laughs> Morgan's up here on the amen corner. You, Ellen's sliding back towards the... But anyway, we love these guys personally as well as in, in ministry. And we've been friends a long, long time. Long time. I was thinking yesterday, it's got to be 40 years. Something like that. It's got to be more than that. Because 78 would be 45 years. And so, eight, what, 84 would be 40 so it's just got to be, it's got to be pushing it. It's got to be pushing it. We've been friends a long, long time. And, uh, and we intend to be friends a lot, a lot longer. And uh, y'all partnered with us and helped us go around the world and helped us help orphans and widows and stop human trafficking and dig water wells. And this last year we, we, we bought a beautiful tractor and a beautiful plow for an orphanage in Zimbabwe, Africa, so they could grow their own food. And then we bought a beautiful van for pastors in Ukraine that, I, that I've known since, my goodness, I've known the lady since she was a teenager. And uh, you know Oksana, the, uh, uh, yeah, but, but there's several Oksanas over there. So you, you, know, you, know, you know Oksana, the, the one that I love so much? 
I met, I met this girl when she was a teenager, and God spoke to me and told me uh, uh, that she was my interpreter. I didn't know her from Adam. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. I was just in a church service, and I sat on the front row, and, and uh, she was up in part of the choir, just singing with the choir and doing all this stuff. And the Lord said, that's your interpreter. And I said, okay. And sure enough, when they introduced me, they introduced her, and she was my interpreter, one of the, be one of the best I've ever had in the world. And uh, she's... Uh, uh, Tremendous lady. But anyway, they got to the situation when, when the war started three years ago. I immediately called them. I said, I'll get you kids out if you want me to. I said, I'll, I'll go file papers and I'll get you all to America. And she said, Dr. Terry, we're pastors. We can't leave our people. We have to see about our people. We have to check on our people. And so they've, they've stayed the whole time. And, and uh, so, you know, and y'all have helped us do all kinds of things like that. We've helped y'all in some of your projects and look, still continue to look forward to doing those sort of things because we're friends. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're excited about this. I want to encourage you to, to uh, be different than other American Christians and uh, actually come to all three services this week. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to have service tonight. God doesn't have many Sunday night Christians, but he sure likes them when he can get them. And uh, then tomorrow night would be real strange to have Monday night Christians, but uh, we're going to have service Monday night. And God really likes Monday night Christians. doesn't have as many of them as he used to, but he sure likes them when he can get them. And if you'll come to all three services, you will go away from here having learned some stuff or having been confirmed to some stuff you already know that you can put into effect. I don't know about y'all, but when I hear the word of God, I want to know, can I use this tomorrow? You know, decades ago, Bob, I went to Brother Hagen. We were friends, and, and uh, uh, I, I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. And he said, okay, what is it? And I said, by your own mouth, you say that you teach the second-year Rhema students stuff that you don't teach anybody else. And he said, yep. He did like that. Yep, 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 yep. And I said, well, I said, uh, and we can't get the tapes. We're not allowed to get the tapes. I said, Gloria Copeland called me one day and said, Terry, Brother Hagin's preaching some stuff the second year, and, and it's so, I've, I've been hearing from the students it's so good, and, and, I, and I'm trying to get the tapes, and they won't let me have them. And, and, would you get them for me? I said, Gloria, you're Gloria Copeland. <laughs> you can get anything you want. She said, no, I can't. She said, I have tried. I have tried. Ken has tried, and we just can't get them. And she said, but I knew you could. She said, I'm a missionary. I said, I'll get them for you. And I did. But anyway, I said to Brother Hagin, I said, Gloria Copeland can't even get the tapes. And I said, you preached this stuff, these secrets, you say, to second-year students that you don't preach to anybody else. He said, yep, 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 yep. I said, well, here's the problem with that. I said, me and you both know that those second-year students may or may not go in the ministry. They may be called and may be not called because y'all don't do a very good job screening them. Y'all just let anybody in that can pay the bill. Y'all say, yeah, come on in. But that, you know that. I said, you know, every year you got crooks in here and criminals in here and, and all kind of sexual deviates in here, and just like every other Bible school in the world does. And he said, yep, yep, yep. And I said, so, so what happens is even the good ones 
even the ones that are called, are supposed to be here, the ones that do hear what you say, the ones that are going to go in the ministry. I said, you and I both know they won't go in the ministry for another three, four, five, maybe ten years. They can't preach that stuff you're preaching to them secretly. They can't preach it for the next 10, 15 years. He said, yep, 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 yep. And I said, well, I said, there's guys like me and Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price, Jerry Savelle, Charles Capps. There's a bunch of guys that love you and have, and have learned from you and have, have cut, our, cut our teeth on your, on your teachings. We've learned faith from you. And uh, if you'd tell us those secrets, we'd put them into effect tomorrow. And I said, so here's the deal. Here's my proposal. I said, I will gather you up however many preachers you want. If you want 100, I'll get 100. If you want 500, I'll get 500. If you, you, just, you give me a number, and I'll get them to you. And I said, we don't have to have a church service. We don't have to sing. We don't have to have offerings. We don't have to have announcements. We don't have to do any of that stuff. I'll get you an easy chair. We'll go out to a lodge on a lake or an ocean somewhere, and, and, and you just tell me how many services you want to do and how many preachers you want to preach to, and, and we can, we'll get you an easy chair, and we'll just show up, and we'll give you a mega offering, a monster offering. You don't even have to take them an offering. We'll just give you one. And, uh, and then you can teach us all those secrets, and we'll go put it in effect tomorrow. And he, he said, yeah, yeah, Terry, that's a pretty good idea, pretty good idea. <laughs> I said, well, and he said, well, I'll tell you what I think I'll do. He called me in a few days. He called me up to his office. He said, you know what I'm going to do? And I said, no, sir. And he said, I'm going to start having Holy Ghost meetings. And I'm going to do what you said, only different. He said, I'm going to have them, I'm gonna have them uh, in, a, in a rhema pastor's church, uh, not, in a, not in a commercial venue, but in a church, uh, and make the pastor agree that I can have it a minimum of two weeks but leave the backside open in case the Holy Ghost moves. We can go three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, whatever. Because that's what he was hoping for. He was wanting to, something to pop where he could have a revival for, you know, 15, 20, 25, you know, half a year or something. And, uh, and he said, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to record them. You know, they're just going to have to come here. And, and I said, well, you know, I think my idea is better. <laughs> I said, we, we can put it into effect tomorrow. You know, I went, you, you give me the word and I will do it. But he started doing those Holy Ghost meetings. Did the very first one over here in Miami, standing in Jerry Moore's church in January of 1994. And, uh, and then came, he came back there every other year, every even year. Uh, and then he passed away in 03, so he didn't, didn't make it back for his, his 04 meeting. He was there in 02. And uh, then he died in 03. But, but uh, the word's absolutely so valuable. And so life-changing and so earth-shaking and world-changing that it, it's, not, it's not meant to be hid. It's not meant to be secret. Amen? And I couldn't imagine somebody like Kenneth and Gloria Copeland with their platform and their audience and their ability to reach the masses, and yet they're sitting there saying, I can't learn what this 17, 18-year-old kid is learning in the second year that they may never even go in the ministry. You know, that may take them 10, 15 years to put it into effect. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow. 
and uh, so that, that's what I tried to I tried to make happen and and uh, I guess it's kind of like politics we compromised I got a little bit of what I wanted and he got a little bit of what he wanted <laughs> you know but my goodness the word is so valuable it's just so valuable so that's why I'm saying if you'll come every service you'll uh, you'll pick up some stuff because I'm not just going to be up here flopping my jaws I mean I I've, been, I, I, I've got 55 years under my belt of third world missionary evangelism with miracles, and uh, I, got, I got more miracles than most anybody I know, and uh, more blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cripples walk, dead raised, devils cast out, and so I'm speaking from experience. I'm not just saying I think this might work. I've always said there's no back at our tape table at our product table. There, there's no theory back there. There's nothing back there that I think might work. I mean, that's tried and proven. I know for a fact it works. You know, there's CDs back there that are worth millions of dollars. Just that one CD alone called God's Good Checkerboard, that's worth a million bucks. We don't charge that for it. You know, it's just a few dollars, but it's worth a million. And that came just from an old general, just from John Osteen, saying to this 18-year-old kid, just one day I was driving him around, and he's and, and he's, I was taking him to a town to visit some partners, and, and he said, uh, Terry, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, God's a good checker player. And I said, yes, sir. And I'm just driving. I didn't talk to him as he was talking to me. I didn't bother him, didn't bug him, just drove for him. And, uh, and I waited and waited and waited, and the time's passing, and the miles are passing, and I'm thinking, well, he's going to get up here and get out, and I'm not going to know what he's talking about. So I said, sir, and he said, yes. I said, may I ask you a question? He said, he said well, of course. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean God's a good checker player? And he said, well, son, he said, if you're, if, you're, if you're fasting about something or praying about something or believing God for something or, 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 or uh, making confessions towards something or trying to make heaven move, trying to get heaven to do something, and nothing's happening at all. I mean, zero. Heaven is brass. Heaven isn't moving. Prayers aren't getting answered. Nothing's happening. And you're just beating your head trying to make it happen. Y'all been there? I've been there. And uh, I said, yes, sir. He said, well, all, when that happens, he said, always go back and see whose move it is. Because God's a good checker player. And he will not move out of turn. He said, if it's your turn, if he's told you to do something you hadn't done, then he's not going to say anything else until you get that done. And I immediately knew that was true. I mean, I, I mean, got four or five scripture references in my, in my head from the Bible. Oh, I know that's true, you know, because God's not going to change his mind. And, and you, just, you have to always go back and say, what's the last thing God told me to do that you're sure that he told you to do it and see if you did it or not? And if you didn't, then I guarantee you he's not going to tell you something else. He's not gonna. He's not gonna say, "Oh well, never mind that. Let's do something." I mean, you know, he he took Moses and the children of Israel uh, right up to the Promised Land, out of Egypt, right up to the Promised Land. Didn't take didn't take forty years. You can walk it yourself in a couple of weeks. It's not very far from walk from Egypt to Israel. And so they got over there in a decent period of time. And and the Lord said, "Okay, now Moses, arise and go over this Jordan." But Moses didn't do that. He sent out twelve spies instead. And 10 of the spies came back and said, we can't do it. And two, Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can do it. And all the others said, kill those two guys. And uh, they just, uh, the Bible says those two, three million Jews cried all night. That must have been a mess. And they, they stayed nid for 40 days checking it out. 
And that really ticked God off. He said, you took 40 days to see if I had made a breach of promise? You, you, you look at Numbers 13 and 14. That's the language God uses. He said, to see if I made a breach of promise, to see if I'm a liar or not? He said, I've been telling you that land was flowing with milk and honey. That was a good land. That was a promised land. That was the land I'm giving you. I've been telling you that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And you told the spies, go over there and see if it's a good land. I've told you it's a good land. Right? He said, I told you the bad guys were there. I told you the Amalekites were there, the Jebusites were there, the Hittites were there, the Canaanites were there, Anak, the sons of the giants were there. I told you that for hundreds of years. And yet you told the people, go see if there's any, any bad guys over there. I told you they were there. In fact, I not only told you they were there, I told you I'm not going to run them out for you before you get there because if I run them out for you before you get there, then the wild animals and the weeds will take over everything. Right now they got gardens and everything, and, you can, and when you get there and run them off, you can just take the gardens and keep on operating. But if I run them out now, and by the time you get there, the, then the, the the gardens are overgrown and the wild animals have eaten everything, and and uh, you know. And he said, I'm just I'm just I'm just going to wait until you get there. And when you get there, then uh, I'll empower you to run them out. They knew all that, and God says, so since you took forty years to see if I'm a liar or not excuse me, 40 days, he said, it's going to cost you a year for a day. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. I bet at that point they wish they'd only taken a day and a half. <laughs> and he said three things to them. Now, 15 minutes ago, they were the apple of his eye. They were his, they were, they were his darlings. They were his, 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 those were his people. And now he said, you're an evil congregation. He said, you have an evil heart. And you brought back an evil report. Bob, all they did is told the truth. All they did is said what they saw. I've had so many people knit over my 55 years in ministry come to me and say, Brother Terry, I'm not going to say I'm healed if I'm sick. I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I'm prosperous if I'm broke. I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm not going to lie. I'm just, I just tell it like I see it. And I always say the same thing to him. I say, well, let me know how that works out for you. Because it didn't work in Numbers 13 and 14 for those 3 million Jews. That's what they did. They came back and said, we saw Anak, the sons of the giants. They did. We saw the Jebusites. They did. We saw the Hittites. They did. We saw the Canaanites. They did. We saw great cities and walled cities. They did. Everything they said was true. That They actually saw that. They just told the truth. But then they added a little addendum to it and said, we can't take it. We're as grasshoppers in our own sight. They will kill us. They will eat us. Joshua and Caleb jumped up and said, no, they're bread for us. Their defense has departed from them. Let's go up at once and take it. We're well able. And they said, kill those guys. So God was rather upset. In fact, he said to those ten spies that came back with the bad report and the evil heart, he said to them, uh, you're dead today. Today, you're dying by the plague. The rest of you is going to take you 40 years. 
I heard some preacher preaching on the radio the other day, and he was talking about how that, how that uh, the children walking in the wilderness was a, was a, a test that they had to do, and that, that when they learned it, then they got out of there, and, and if they'd learned it faster, they'd have got out of there sooner. And I'm yelling at the radio, saying, that, no, that's no test. That was, that, was, that was a sentence. God sentenced them to 40 years. It doesn't matter how smart they get, how dumb they get, uh, how good they do, how bad they do. That has nothing to do with anything. It's still going to be 40 years. Because God said, you took 40 days to see if I was a liar. It's going to cost you 40 years. He didn't say, well, maybe after three or four or five years, I'll give you a parole or you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll get smarter. No, no, 40 years. And so after 40 years is up, God goes over to his buddy Moses. And he says, hey, Moses. <laughs> Hey, buddy, come on up here with me. I'm going to take you up here on the mountain. And so Moses gets up and goes up to the mountain with him. And God gets him on the mountain. He says, see all that over there? Yes, sir. That's the promised land. Yes, sir. That's the land I told you for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years I was giving you. Yes, sir. That's the land that flows with milk and honey. Yes, sir. That's, that's the land I've prepared for you. Yes, sir. He said, but you're not going in. He said, you can see it, but you're not going in because you disobeyed me. You fouled up. You messed up. See, today, Bob, the church doesn't believe that. Oh, no, 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 Jesus, wouldn't, Jesus would never tell me I messed up. Oh, yes, he would. People always say, what would Jesus do? I say, well, one day he made a whip and beat people in church with it. <laughs> Under the New Testament. Yeah. Under grace. Isn't that amazing? Oh, no, God wouldn't do anything. I thought, oh, yes, he would. Yeah. I can prove to you Old Testament and New. And he says, so you're not going to go in. i tell you what I'm going to do for you, buddy, because uh, me and you have been so tight all these years. I'm going to personally kill you today. <laughs> you get me, I'm going to personally kill you. You get me to do the deed because we're such good friends. And I'm going to bury your body, and nobody will ever find it for eternity, ever, forever. Man, they hadn't found it yet. If somebody, if somebody calls the news media and tells you they found Moses' Moses' tomb, and they've done DNA, and they've got Moses' blood and everything else, you just say, nope. Nope. That's a lie. It's not him. Maybe his cousin. Maybe... <laughs> But it's not him, because God said, nobody's going to find your body ever. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so Joshua starts crying. And he cries, 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 and he cries. And he cried for 30 days, mourning over Moses. And finally, the Lord said to him, Joshua, <laughs> Moses is dead. And here's your instruction. Now arise and go over this Jordan. What? Same spot, same place, 40 years later, same instructions. In 40 years, God had not given them another instruction. Because he's playing checkers. It's, it's not his move. It was Moses' move, and Moses blew it. Now it's Joshua's move, and he can blow it or he can do it. And God said to him, now rise and go over this Jordan. And Joshua did it. 
But see, j just that little phrase from that, from that old general, that father in the faith. See, see, we need fathers in the faith, mothers in the faith. Yeah. If y'all don't have some, you better start asking the Lord for them. Yeah. And uh, people that have been there done that, people that not just talking off the top of their head or giving you a theory, but that they know what they're talking about. People that know how to beat hell and beat the devil. Amen. Amen. And uh, you, you need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that speak into your life, but not just the popular one on TV. Nothing wrong with being popular, nothing wrong with being on TV, but you need to make sure it's the right one. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of folks today saying they're prophets, and a lot of folks saying they're apostles, and a lot of folks saying they're this, that, and the other, and frankly, they're not. Or if they are, then they're not one to you. Amen. See, I know thousands of prophets. I mean, I, I go all over the world for 55 years. I know prophets in every country I go to. But they're not my prophets. I know thousands and thousands of prophets in America. They're good people, good prophets. I don't have a problem with them at all. It's just they're not my prophets. When I need a word from my prophets, I get on the phone to them and say, hey, you know, Brother Hagin used to be my prophet. I'd call him from all over the world. Dad, this happened, this happened, this happened. Hilton Sutton used to be my prophet. I'd call Hilton. Hilton. I called Hilton from Israel and chewed him out because uh, I was there in, in the week of 9-11. I got Hilton on the phone, and he said, oh, I said, Hilton, this is Terry. I'm in Israel. He said, really? You're in Israel? And I said, why didn't you tell me? You're my prophet. You're supposed to know this stuff. It's your job to tell me. But I didn't look to a thousand prophets. I looked to my prophets. You know, now Hilton's gone. Brother Hagin's gone. So there's a couple other guys I look to as prophets. I, I'm not as excited about them as I was about Hilton and Brother Hagin. But they'll grow. They'll, they'll, they'll grow. You know, all these prophets that proclaim to be prophets all over America... I'm just so shocked that not a cotton-picking one of them. I mean, none of them. Not the good guys, not the bad guys, not my friends, not any of them. Not any of them predicted and prophesied COVID. And you'd think if you was a prophet, that would have been kind of important. A friend of mine wrote me the other day, this lady in Texas, you know, a little charismaniac lady, lover. And uh, she said, Brother Terry, Prophet Hank Kuhneman prophesied that July is going to be really, really hot. <laughs> I said, well, no disrespect to Hank, who I know, and no disrespect to anybody that thinks they're a prophet, but I prophesy it's going to be hot next July. In <laughs> the next July. In the next July. In the next July. It's Texas. It's July. It's hot. You know, Brother Hagin had his camp meeting uh, up until the day he died. He always had it the last week of July in Tulsa. It was always miserable. Yeah. I don't know if any of y'all went to those at all, but I mean the last week of July in Tulsa, Oklahoma, year after year, after year after year, year after year, year after year, it was 108, 113, 110, 112, 100. every year. It never snowed once. <laughs> And we knew that. And we knew it was going to be hot the next year, but we went back anyway. People act like this hot in the summer is something new. The news media is going nuts with it. The Weather Channel is going nuts with it. 
oh my God, is it so hot? It's so hot. It's July. Now it's August. It's Florida. It's Texas. We were just in the Mojave Desert. It was 125 degrees. We, we weren't surprised. We didn't think it was an act of God. You know, God is so, I've, I've, I've preached this for years all over the world. That I think God is so slick that when he built the earth, when he built the earth, had he put it just, just a few degrees closer to the sun, we'd all burned up. Just, just a few degrees. And if he had put it just a few degrees further away, we'd all freeze. He put it in the exact spot at the exact distance so we could have the weathers that we have. And then those run in cycles. Those run in cycles. But, but I, I know a little secret. Whenever, whenever Noah and the other seven people came out of the ark, God said to them, uh, get your notepad, get your pencil and paper. I'm going to give you a reason for existence on planet Earth. And they said, yes, sir. And, and so they got all ready, made an altar, sacrificed to God. And he, and he said, uh, give me a family. Multiply and be fruitful. Same thing he said to Adam. Same thing. Never changed his mind. And, uh, and he said, now I'm going to give you four immutable laws. Immutable means incapable of change. They can't change. Impossible to change. I'm going to give you four unchangeable laws. As long as time remains. Now, see, you can take this to the bank. You can bet money on it. You can, you can, you can do whatever you want to on it because it's unchangeable. No politician is going to change it. The Republicans aren't going to change it. The Democrats aren't going to change it. The good guys aren't going to change it. The bad guys aren't going to change it. As long as time remains, God said, there will be seed time and harvest. And if Christians had half a brain, they'd jump on that and make money with it. But they don't. They just wander around saying, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. Well, I do. There's, as long as time remains, I can, count on, I can count on one thing, that if I start planting seed, God's going to give me a harvest. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. And he said there'll be, there'll be heat and cold. Duh. He said, there'll be summer and winter, duh, and there'll be night and day. And there's not anything you can do about any of that. Now, we've invented lights so we can go out at night, you know. We've invented air conditioning so we can stand in the heat. Uh, well, we do a lot of stuff to kind of try to deal with those laws, but we can't change them. It's going to always be seed time and harvest, hot and cold, day and night, winter and summer. Period, cut and dried, over and out, whether you like it, whether you don't, whether you pray, whether you don't, whether you fast, whether you don't, whether you pay tithes, whether you don't, whether you go to church, whether you don't. It doesn't make any difference what you do. Isn't it simple? God has set laws that can't be changed. Church people come to me all the time, but I hate the law, I hate the law, I hate the law, I hate, I hate the Old Testament. I said, well, you just screwed up. You know? You're just going to live a goofed up, messed up life. You ought to come go with me. I know how life's going to go. I know what's going to happen. You know, because I'm not, I'm not, you know, like some Brother Hagin said, I listened to Brother Hagin yesterday, and, and he said, uh, he said, uh, 
he said, men have said that this and this and this and this is going to happen. And he said, he said, now they hadn't tried to tell me that. He said, because I'm intelligent. And they said, well, Brother Hagin, I don't believe that. He said, well, you can read, can't you? You have a Bible, don't you? If you can read and have a Bible, you've got the inside track, inside information. You don't have to. See, some fools think that man can destroy the planet. And other fools think man can save it. <laughs> and you get these goofy, smarmy politicians. And they get on TV and cry. And they act like they care. And they say, we've got to save the planet. You can't save the planet. Not you and all the king's horses and all the king's men can't save the planet. Neither can you destroy it. Now, God's going to destroy it one of these days. He's going to, I mean, he's going to destroy it whether you like it or not, don't like it or not. He's going to destroy it and build it back better. Amen. He thought that before Joe Biden did. We're going to build back better. He thought make America great again before Donald Trump was born. Are you all here? God's got his own slogans. Only with him, they're laws. And see, I don't have a problem with laws. That's why I can do things with God that other people can't, because I don't have a hang-up over God's laws. When he speaks, now this book is a book of laws and principles that work when you work them and don't work when you don't work them. So I know I can go in. You can drop me off in the jungle anywhere. You can take the house and the car and the planes and the boats and the clothes and, and the jewelry. You, you just take it all. Leave me my Bible. Yeah. Drop me off the jungle. Leave me my Bible, and I'll get it all again. Because I know how I got it the first time. Amen. I didn't get it by playing games. I didn't get it by hook or crook. I didn't get it by conning. I didn't get it by begging. I just did it by the laws of God. As long as time remains, there will be seed time and harvest. That, that, I, that, that scares some people because they, oh, my God, it's laws. It doesn't scare me. It makes me be able to sleep at night. I can just go to sleep at night and say, oh, Lord, I'm so glad you're watching over this thing. I'm so glad I know tomorrow I'm going to wake up and it's going to be daytime. And I know since it's always, it's going to be hot. <laughs> and I know tomorrow night, it's going to be dark. <laughs> and I know if I plant a seed, I'm going to get a harvest. Those are just things that I know that, I, that, are, that are facts. God never gives you a theory. You know, years ago, my first wife, Jackie, Jackie's in heaven today, and a lot of y'all knew her. And uh, years ago, she called her grandmother. And because we were having a bunch of friends in, uh, for Thanksgiving, and and so we were hosting, and so she called her grandmother and she said, "Mom, uh, I've been thinking about your your uh, giblet gravy, and I'd like to have your recipe. I love your giblet gravy, and I'm having a bunch of folks in the house. It's really important to me and Terry to uh, really you know treat these people right and bless them." And and she said, "Would you give me your recipe for giblet gravy?" And Mom said, "Well, sure." So she rattles off this recipe, and Jackie writes it down, and. The day comes, and Jackie cooks it and makes it and does the recipe, and it, it's fabulous, just fabulous. Everybody just ate it all up and licked the plate, you know, and, and just said how great it was. Well, after four or five days later, you know, that week, you know, maybe the, even the next week, Mom calls Jackie, and she says, how was your Thanksgiving dinner? 
And Jack said, oh, Mom, it was a complete hit. It was a complete success. I've been meaning to call you and thank you. I'm sorry. I just hadn't gotten around to it. But, but thank you so much. She said, well, how was your giblet gravy? She said, oh, it was just fabulous. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. And Mom said, well, I, 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 thought, I thought that would work. And Jackie said, what? She said, well, I, th- I, thought, I, I thought making it that way would work. I thought that would be a good way to make it. And Jackie said, what are you talking about? Wasn't that your recipe that you gave me? She said, no, uh, I didn't give you my recipe. She said, I, I, I had been thinking for the last several years that if I wanted to make it differently, that I, I thought I'll just try this, and I think it'll be really good. So she gave Jackie a theory. <laughs> now, thank God the theory worked. It, it, it was delicious. But Jackie was just horrified. She said, Mom, can't believe I had all these friends in and, and important people in, and you, you used me as a guinea pig to, to, <laughs> to just. But see, God doesn't do that. He doesn't give us theories. If he gives you something, if it's in here, it's a law. Amen. And laws shouldn't scare you. They should, they should uh, make you more comfortable. Because you know what you can do. You know what you can't do. There's no confusion. Amen. Sister Susie, are you going to come up here and say something? If you don't, I'm just liable to keep on going. Well, come on. And don't give us any theory. <laughs> and remember, I do have to preach, so give me some time. Hallelujah. Uh, it's amazing to me uh, the trust that God has put in us to live in this time. Amen? That God trusts us to live for him in the 21st century. And uh, over there, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, along about verse 14, it says, we are those on whom the end of the age has come. Uh, and it says there, uh, just above that, if, um, that, you know, what's so amazing, he said, all the things that have been written up to this time have been for you as an example. Isn't that amazing? That everything that had been written up to 1 Corinthians there, chapter 10. Somebody find that? Is that the exact chapter? 1 Corinthians 10. Is it 1 Corinthians 10, 14, something like that, somewhere in there? And uh, to me, it's just amazing. What is it? Verse 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. He said, now these things befell them, and all above that, he's talking about what Terry's been talking to you today about the children of Israel and all the things that happened to them in the wilderness and how God dealt with them. And he goes into detail talking about their their disobedience and how God moved anyway and the miracles that God did. He said, now all these things befell them by way of a figure as an example and a warning to us. They were written to admonish us and that make it, and the Amplified uses this phrase, it says, fit for, um, 
It says, fit for right action by good instruction so that we in those days and ages, um, we are those, in other words, what it says up there, that uh, we are those on whom the end of the age has come, the King James says. So I want to encourage you today to really value God's trust in you. Really hold your head high. Put your shoulders back. Realize you're here on time in this time and generation. And as Terry was exhorting you there on, on Genesis 8:32, that as long as time remains, you know, time on earth is like earth is out here like on a, like a, a ball or a capsule, you can see, and we're all dealing with time. Uh, there's going to come a time when time will be no more. But while there is still day and night, <laughs> while there is still heat and cold, while there is still summer and winter, and while there still is seed time and harvest, then you have to realize that, that you're working within a dispensation that is one day going to come to an end. And then we're going to keep on living. We're going to keep on living. He's the everlasting father. He's the eternal God. And because of that, we are like aliens on the planet here. We don't function out of... We, have, we, have, we can go back and forth between the eternal and the natural. <laughs> you know, there's the supernatural, there's the natural, and we as Christians, this is so exciting to me, we can go back and forth between the two kingdoms. And we're not limited to time alone we have the power of god to make things work even to the point that where god says i'll restore back to you the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the it names all these other goofy locusts have eaten away you know things that have stolen been stolen from you god says i'll get it back to you somehow and i'll make it up to you but you gotta trust me and you know a great part of this is that uh, obedience is really, really a big deal with God. And we don't think it is sometimes, but it really, really, really is. And so what Terry was saying to you about the children of Israel, he came back around even after they disobeyed 40 years later. Here's Joshua. The Lord tells him to do the exact same thing. So it's important to be obedient and, and do it immediately. Yes, yes. It's just like 2 Corinthians 9 over there. When Paul's talking about giving, he said, God is unwilling to do without. A cheerful, joyful, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in their giving. That prompt-to-do-it is that they quickly obey. <laughs> if God tells them to do something, they don't argue about it. They don't try to examine it. They try, don't try to wonder. They just do it, you know? And so I want to encourage you with that today, that we're living in seed time and harvest. We're living in day and night. We're living in hot and cold. Don't let the weather channel make you afraid. Don't let goofy, goofy, goofy people. I want to buy billboards all over the country and say, God said, as long as the earth remains, and then quote that scripture and just realize, stop this foolishness of fear-mongering, telling people it's hot, and then, then they get everybody confessing, boy, it's hot. It's so hot out there. Can you believe how hot it is? Oh, my goodness, it's so hot. Oh, my, I've never known about it. I didn't know it would get this hot. 
I just, I told my church years ago in Corpus Christi, I said, you ought to celebrate every hot day and just say, thank God I'm not going to hell day. This is the hottest I will ever be on this planet. I will never go to a devil's hell where I'm tormented in the flames for, with heat for eternity. I told my church, if your AC goes out, go buy a cake and ice cream, blow up some balloons, put a sign in the yard and say, thank God I'm throwing a party. It's not, I'm not going to hell day. I mean, instead of acting like we're all a bunch of wimps and we can't handle the heat, and we're just all like the wicked witch of the, of the was it East? We're, gonna, we're all going to melt? We're the wicked witch? I'm melting. You're all, I'm you're melting. All, you're all bad no matter which we're, direction. You know, my God, I'm not going to hell. Thank God. I'm not going to hell. It may be hot. Go by yourself. Go, go to the funeral home. Get a bunch of fans. You know? <laughs> Remember those old funeral home things? Remember those old funeral home fans? Well, I, I, I want y'all to, you know, we've got to realize who we really are. We are those on whom the end of the age has come. There's going to be a bunch of stupid, goofy people that are, that are going to try to control the rest of the world by fear. And you as the church have got to stand up and say, hold the phone. We know just what Terry was saying to you. The Bible says... The, everybody say it together. The, the Bible, Bible says, says, you need to get those words out of your mouth. And if nothing else, you tell your brain. The Bible says, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear brain. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear thought life. Emotions get in control here. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. You cannot give yourself to those things. Just what Terry was saying here about that. I don't know if I brought that one up here with us today. But I'm telling you, God's a good checker player. You just, your job is to make sure you're doing what God told you to do. Don't play around with this. This is, this, get all the foolishness out of your life. Stop being a wimp about everything. This church isn't, isn't here to, to sing happy birthday to you. We're not here. To, if we miss your birthday, who gives a rip? But people leave the church. Because somebody didn't sing happy birthday. The pastor's wife forgot their birthday, and they didn't sing happy birthday to them. What a classless fool people are out there in the world when they, when they make church about, they forgot my birthday. They didn't help me come in the car, into the church when they saw I had a sprained ankle. You know, I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. Does that help anybody? We are those. We're a whole other class of people, those. We're a whole different class of people. We are those on whom the end of the age has come. Uh, Terry's, you know, there's been so much said today in here about giving that it's just absolutely outstanding to realize that our life is a seed sown in the earth by the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, my life. My life. Is a seed. Is a seed. Given into the earth. Given into the earth. For the, on behalf of the kingdom, of God. Of the kingdom of God. My life is, is given. Is, it, my job is to grow. <laughs> and, and be a blessing to the world. Isn't that right? Yeah. Terry has taught. This has been what? You and Wayne Myers. You learned this from Wayne Myers how many years ago? 55 years ago. 55 years ago. Everybody say living to give. Say, I'm not just living to live. I'm not just given to give. 
I'm not just given to live anymore, but I'm living to give. <laughs> you know, we want to keep moving up. You know, we want to keep moving up. We want to keep going up higher and higher. Uh, I read a verse today that was so wonderful. I got over in Psalms, and I was looking at some things. And it says that God, I think it's chapter 84 of Psalms, it says that God takes them from strength to strength. You know, and we know from other verses in the Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And then Psalm 84 comes along and says, God takes you from strength to strength. Well, I'm stronger, to, I was, I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. I'm going to be stronger tomorrow than I was today. And everything about the Lord is it's limitless, and he just keeps taking you higher and higher and higher. Amen? I mean, there's no reason to, to cut it off. I mean, you can just have as much as you want from all of this. So we want you to learn how to live to give. And uh, Terry's flown a few airplanes, stayed in a few hotels, put on a bunch of pastor's conferences in 55 years. And you know what? God paid for all of them. The Holy Ghost was able to get money into his hands to pay these, you know, millions of dollars by now in all the countries of the world that he's been in. I've known Terry for now almost 50 years. And it's just been astounding to me when I think about all those times when he was going to all those countries from, from India to South America to Central America to Russia to Ukraine to Africa, the Middle East, all of these places, God paid the bill. And he, how many of you can say today, your bills have been paid? Yes. <laughs> it's like the children of Israel, Moses said, we are alive and well when they crossed over Jordan. He said, you that are alive and well at this day. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Look what the Lord has done. Well, now he healed my body. He's my he saved me just in time. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to praise his name. We're going to thank him. You ought to throw all your bills on the floor. Do a dance around him singing. God is more than enough. Look what the Lord has done. He's going to meet every need of mine, and I can cast the care of all this over on the Lord. But living to give is where you're going. Amen? And then we have two brand new CDs. Uh, this is on the supernatural. This is so good. And uh, it, was, it was just an impromptu request by a pastor Terry was preaching at. And uh, we were there in, in Missouri. And they said, um, Dr. Terry, we'd really like for you to preach on the, on the supernatural and miracles today. And Terry had planned to preach on something else. And I'm telling you what came out of that by the Holy Ghost, just an impromptu moment, is outstanding. And it's on this right here. So we're looking for miracles. In fact, if you need healing in your body today, you need wisdom from the Holy Ghost. If you'll keep pulling on the Holy Ghost, keep pulling on the ministry here today, the anointing of God will go into your body. You'll receive by faith. You'll get the answer that you need. You'll get the peace that you need, everything. But you've got to use your faith. You can't just sit out there and wait to be impressed. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You can't just sit out there until you decide you like me or not. <laughs> you know? I mean, everybody, every, we, we can't look on the natural person. We have to pull by the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, I'm pulling by, on I'm the Holy Ghost. On the Holy I'm pulling Ghost. on the gift of God that's in the man of God, in the woman of God. I, that's where my faith takes part. My faith pulls 
on the, on the, figuratively on the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm pulling by my faith. And then this one is awesome. Um, the, the iron did swim. Man, what, where is that at? What scripture? Second Kings. Second Kings. And it, I'm telling you, if God can find an iron head of an axe <laughs> in the middle of the lake and make that sucker swim to the shore, I'm telling you, it's, the Bible says the iron. This is a real discouragement to the devil. Yeah. It's that, a real, real discouragement. I've got to figure out how to make that, say that in some way. Because the fact that the iron did swim, the Bible says the iron didn't float. It said that axe head got up out of the mud and swam over to the shore. And then Elisha told it, the man, reach down and pick it up. If it had been there in the first place, he wouldn't have thought it was lost. It had to have slung out there in the middle of the lake. And yet God. Jordan River. <laughs> You got something you need Jesus to get to your house? If he can make an axe head swim, don't let the devil discourage you. Don't let circumstances talk you out of the miracle. And that's then we've got that. And then Terry's great book. How old is this book, baby? 45 years. 45 years old. Uh, it's an amazing book, and it, it covers the first five years of Terry's ministry, More Than Conquerors. And it's an outstanding book. I can remember, Dean and I, my first husband, who's now in heaven, we can remember when that book came out and what a blessing it was. And, and man, we bought them by the cases. We gave them away. We did everything we could do to let people realize God will do this on the mission field. He'll do it for you, you know, right here in America. God can actually do a miracle for you, you unbelieving thing, you know. I mean, you just, you just want to just help everybody um, really learn how to use their faith because faith works, amen. And then we just redid um, my book. It's a, this is the third printing on high-class Christianity. And we took it from Isaiah 55, uh, verse 11, uh, that we, we really have to not trust uh, ourselves and our ego. We really cannot trust the arm of the flesh, who we are, put our confidence in, in who we are in the natural. Uh, we really have to realize that God wants us to, to take his word, as Isaiah 55 says, my ways, your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. He says, for my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I'm telling you, Nid, some days I can't think more than five feet, high, five inches high, you know? And I need a six-foot-three thought. <laughs> and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher. And just what Terry was showing you this morning, right here, this is God's opinion. Terry has a great little book out there. We've, we've, we've uh, given away uh, more than we've sold probably. But God's opinion of you is right here. If you want to know what God thinks about you, it's right here. And everything that he said about you, everything that he has promised you, everything, all the wonderful plans that he has for your life are right here in this book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? Now just lift your hands again right now and just say, Lord, I receive today. I receive today the wisdom of God, the power of God, all the things that you have for me. Thank you. You have healing. You have every need met. 
you have Thank the wisdom you, that I need for my life. Thank you, Father. I, let's just Thank receive you, it right now. I receive, I receive the wisdom, the of, wisdom God. of God. I receive the blessing Blessings. of God. Thank my you, life God. is blessed. It's yes, not cursed. Yes. I'm living in the blessing. I'm <laughs> yes, not living yes. under the curse. In Jesus' wonderful name, hallelujah. Amen. You know, let's rejoice today. Amen. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. enemy just always wants to wipe the smile Praise off your face. Lord. And uh, I, I found a verse in Proverbs that says, He that hath a, has a glad heart has a continual feast. Yes. And I just keep telling the devil all the time, I don't care what you say. I don't care what happens. God's going to help me have the joy right. to walk through what I need to. And uh, just in the last several days, my, my only brother passed away, went to heaven. And uh, Terry and I have seen the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the power of God, the favor of God to help us do what we need to do. And I just, God's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for all of us together. Let's make our faith shine in these last days. We are those on whom the end of the age has come. And we've got to live by faith and receive by faith and be able to help other people. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, amen. amen. Stand up with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit. Father, I've asked the Holy Spirit for these three meetings to do what I've asked him to do thousands of times, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times over 55 years of ministry, what I've taught to teenagers in foreign fields about how to win souls. I've asked you to... Turn on the light during these meetings. Turn on the light. That we will not be in darkness. That when I open the scripture to give the word that you've given to me in each one of these services, that you'll turn the light on. And that people will look at that, both those here in the house and those watching online from a hospital room or a bedroom or a, or a, a, a hotel room wherever, or listening to it on another platform in the future, that you turn the light on. That they come out of the darkness and they say, oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. I haven't seen that before. I see that. Turn the light on, Holy Spirit. And then secondly, I've asked you to do what you did on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2, Peter stood up to preach full of the Holy Ghost. First time he ever preached full of the Holy Ghost. And it says that you pricked the hearts of the people. You pricked their hearts. You pricked their hearts. And because you prick their hearts, it says 3,000 got saved. So prick our hearts. Holy Spirit, prick our hearts this morning, tonight, and tomorrow night. Prick our hearts. Turn on the light, prick our hearts. And then number three, Holy Spirit, I've asked you to move on our will. I know you don't change people's will, but you do move on our will. You do move on us to where we'll think about something and say, you know what, I will do that. I will. I will serve God. I will do that. I will apply that to my life. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will do that. So move on our will, Holy Spirit. To where we say, I see that. 
the Holy Spirit, I tell you, burned within me and pricked my heart, and I've decided I will do that. And I thank you for it and give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. Um, I believe the church, and I've said this to you before, I believe the church, I believe the day's coming, I really do, where the church people, the congregation, are going to come to the pastor. Not the other way around, not the pastor to the congregation, but the congregation to the pastor and say, Pastor, we need more church. What we're doing isn't working. We need more church. We need church and church and more church, and we need pastors like the one you have here that's more afraid of God than they are the congregation. There are so many pastors in fear today all over the world and all over even our nation of America for the first time ever. Uh, our pastors are scared of the government, which is a dirty, rotten shame. No pastor should be scared. And they're scared of the people. And I have so many pastors tell me, do I tell you, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm trying not to offend the people, trying not to run them off. Cause I, you know, I need, I need butts in the seat. I need warm bodies in the seats. And I say, oh, you don't need warm bodies in the seats. You, know, you need warm hearts that are receptive. Yeah. You know, those bodies aren't going to do you any good you, if, if the heart's not engaged and, and kicked in. So, uh, you know, some churches during COVID have gained people. Some churches during COVID have, have lost people. Some churches during COVID have totally shut down and never come back again. But, you know, our job as, as the ministry, our job is to keep the lights on. Yes. So that when the people out there get so scared yes. and, and at the end of their rope and don't know what to do, and they're ready to blow their brains out or eat a bullet or shoot, take a hot shot and die or whatever, uh, there's a place they can come and say, I need help. Right. Amen. Right. Renee quoted that scripture that applies to every one of you. You're the one. We're the ones upon whom the end of the age has come. If the church doesn't stand up, the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what will become of the righteous? One translation says what will happen to the good people? We're, we're the glue that's holding this together. Amen? Amen. You just don't know how important you really are. No, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it, it's so comforting to me from being all over the world preaching that I know that Bob and Ned are here. I know that Morgan and Hugh Ellen are here, even if though they need to. Okay. <laughs> it, it's that I know pastors everywhere that, that I know they're watchmen on the wall. Yes. They're not going a wall. They're going to be there. And if it, times get tougher, they're still going to be there. And they're going to have the doors open so that people can come in and get help. Because if we, if we flake out, what are they going to do? What are your grandchildren going to do? They're being lied to and 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 lied to. And if you don't tell them the truth, who do you think will? SpongeBob isn't going to tell them the truth. Sesame Street's not going to tell them the truth. Amen. You know, Katy Perry, who I've known since she was a little girl, and you sit in my lap, uh, her swinging in on wrecking ball, that's not going to help anybody. 
that's just not going to get the, the, the job done. I saw on the news last night, it said Taylor Swift had a concert and made $13 million in one night. Well, uh, you know, she's got a lot of influence and didn't help anybody. $13 million in one night. And, and for what? It, it's wood, hay, and stubble. Amen. That won't help anybody. But what you do helps people. What this church does helps people. What we do, what we do helps people. We're looking at eternity. <clears throat> and like I said, these politicians that get up and cry over the over the planet. You know, I heard who Nancy Pelosi here months back, and she just held her hand up here and she just cried and said, "We've made we've made mother we've made mother Earth angry at us." I don't care. We don't have a mother earth. We have a father God. And I'm not going around trying to appease mother nature, mother earth, or the Republicans or the Democrats. Amen. You know, you'd think, I mean, all of us, all of us ministers for the last umpteen years, we just shake our heads and say, what's wrong with the Christians? What's wrong with the church? They, they, they act like they're Republicans and Democrats instead of acting like they're Christians. You know, I don't care what party your grandma and your grandpa are part of. You should be part of this party and say, I'm only going to vote for biblical qualities. I'm not voting my pocketbook. I'm not voting my, you know, this. I'm not voting that. I'm not, I'm voting this. Because otherwise God holds us responsible. Amen. I'm, I'm not going to stand before God in heaven for eternity and say, well, yeah, I voted for that platform and they did this and this and this and these awful, these awful things. I've had people literally come to me all the time, Bob, and they tell me, I didn't, I didn't, I voted for so-and-so, but I didn't vote for uh, killing babies or I didn't vote for, you know, gay marriage or I didn't vote for, you know, gun control or I didn't vote for, I said, yes, you did. Yes, you did. You voted for the platform. It's not the person. It's the platform. And as a Christian, you really don't have a right to vote anyway except Bible. As I said a while ago, we, we, don't, we don't get an opinion. I've made so many churches mad over the years because I said, you don't get a vote and you don't get an opinion. You're in the army and God gives an order and you say, yes, sir. And that, 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 that's all there is to it. Amen. I've got a young pastor now, been in ministry quite a few years now, and, and, and I helped him start a church out of, out of, out of his garage. And it's grown into a really good-sized church and blessing. And, uh, and he didn't know come here from Sikkim. He was green as a gourd, you know. He didn't know what he was doing, so he'd come talk to me a lot and counsel me a lot, call me, and I'd call over, and he'd have me come over and preach, and I'd give him advice on what to do and blah, 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 blah. And uh, one day we were there in, in church, and, and he said something to me. He said, how do I do this? And I said, well, here's how you do that. Here's what the Bible says about that, blah, 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 blah. And he said, yeah, but I think I'm going to, I said, I said, young man. He said, yes. I said, the proper response is yes, sir. <laughs> that, that wasn't a discussion. That, that wasn't a debate. That wasn't a suggestion. That was what God, you asked what the answer to the question was. I told you what God said it was. Now, that's no, 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 no discussions required or desired. The answer is just yes, sir. And it changed his life. 
He gets up and quotes it all the time now. He says, I'll tell you, I remember the day Terry Myers told me that the proper response is yes, sir. And uh, it just saves a lot of trouble when we understand a military chain of authority. Amen? That if God said it, we don't get to change it. That God doesn't care what we think. He loves us, but he doesn't care what we think. He doesn't give us an opinion. He doesn't give us a vote. He just says, do it. Do it. Here's my word. All right, these next three services today and tonight and tomorrow night, I wish we was going three or four more services. Uh, I always do. But uh, I, I encourage you to just, just squeeze everything out of it you can possibly squeeze out of it because this stuff is life and death. This makes a difference in your kids. It makes a difference in your grandkids. You know, if you're going to live on planet Earth, and this is why I, I think Christians get so weird sometimes, because you tell them the truth, and then they, they try to jump ahead and think they know the answer. The military calls that. You're in the military. The military calls that anticipating the command. And they hit you in the head with a stick for it, or they did us. Because when the sergeant start, drill sergeant starts start to say, I want you to do blah, 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 blah. Well, about, about his first blah, blah, in your head, you think, okay, I know what he wants. In other words, you think you're the sharper, you know, sharpest knife in the drawer, brightest bulb in the box. Uh, you think you're smarter than he is. And so you jump to where you think he's going. And that's called anticipating the command. And, and that can get you killed in, in military. And so Christians do the same thing. You pastor starts to say something, and they say out there and say, oh, and they run along ahead with their own little train of thought and miss what's said yeah. because they're anticipating the command, which the devil's going to end up hitting you in the head with, right? Because it's not going to work for you. But if we just stop and think, if you're going to live on planet Earth, you have to have what I've always called as a missionary, and I've traveled all over the world with all kinds of people, all colors of skin, all languages, all, all religions, all, you know, poverty levels, wealth levels, sickness level, health. I've been with lepers and leper colonies. I've been with the bl bloody froth and disease, infectious diseases. I mean, I've been everywhere in 55 years. And, and I've talked to all kinds of people, and I've just discovered that if you live on planet Earth, it just doesn't matter where on planet Earth you live, you have to have what I call the five basic needs of man. You have to have, if you live on planet Earth, you have to have a roof over your head. Y'all yeah. need that in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. You have to have clothes on your back. You need that in Florida? You have to have food on your table, right? You got to eat. You have to, ha you have to take care of your family. The Bible says if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. That's your responsibility to take care of your family. And lastly, uh, you have to have a healthy body. Roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on your table, take care of your family, have a healthy body. If, if any of those five, you Ellen, get messed up, you're in trouble. Living on planet Earth, those five have to be intact. And if one of them gets messed up or two or three, you get in serious, serious trouble. So I tell pastors, I preach pastors' conferences all over the world now for decades and decades and decades under God's instructions. And I tell these pastors all the time, I say, Pastor, I wasn't in your office last week listening to your counseling sessions. I don't have your office bugged with, with recording devices. I don't listen in to your counseling sessions. But I can tell you what your last counseling session was. 
I can tell you what your last five were. I can tell you what your last ten were. I can tell you what your last hundred were. Nobody came in your office and sat down and said, Oh, Pastor, I'm so concerned about Daniel's 70 weeks. Tell me about Daniel's 70 weeks. I said, Nobody did that. Nobody came into you in your office and said, Oh, Pastor, talk to me about Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. Nobody came in your office and said, Oh, talk to me about the beast and the horns and the eyeballs down at the altar in the book of Revelation. Nobody did that. Now, those things are fun to read. They're fun to study. I study them in my Bible. I read them in my Bible. I run references on them in my Bible. I've never preached on them in my life and don't ever intend to. Because it doesn't help anybody. You're sitting out there needing a roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on your table, take care of your family. Maybe your kids are on drugs. Maybe your husband's cheating. Or maybe your wife's got cancer. I mean, you got problems of the five basic needs of man. And I'm up here trying to tell you about Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. Or Daniel's 70 weeks or the 4 and 20 blackbirds baked in a pie. I mean, it's just, it doesn't help you. And so I tell these pastors, you need to study that stuff at home just for you and God to have fun with. But, but you need to preach to the people where they live. They need a roof over their head. They need clothes on their back. They need food on their table. They need to take care of their family. They need a healthy body. And that all boils down. You boil those five things down, it comes down to two things. Need, health, and money. Health and money. And God's got more to say about health and money in the Bible than, in, than anything else. And yet it makes, it, it makes Christians mad, or it makes people that think they're Christians mad, and they say, oh, you guys, y'all just prosperity preachers. Well, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm a Bible preacher. I just happened to see prosperity all through the Bible, Old Testament, and New, that God thought it up. I've had people ask me for decades, Brother why not all you guys that preach faith, you faith guys, how come you always preach on prosperity, you always preach on healing? And, I, and I've said, well, what do you want us to preach on? If you, don't want to hear, if you don't want to hear prosperity, you don't want to hear healing, do you want to hear sickness? Do you want to hear poverty? I mean, I'm going to stand up here and do a three-day seminar on how to be poor. How to go bankrupt. I, I think we know how to do that. Yeah. I'm going to give you seven steps on how to die with cancer. I, I think we know how to die with cancer. And it's so crazy to me that the average person sitting out here anywhere, church person or not, they want their business to prosper. They want their marriage to prosper. They want their kids to prosper. They want their dog to prosper. They, they want all this prosperity in their life until they get in church. How dare that pastor preach on prosperity? Yeah. <laughs> what? Talk about double-minded. I don't know about you, but I want to find a pastor that knows something about prosperity. And I want to find a pastor that knows something about healing. The two things that I need to live on planet Earth. Because if I can master prosperity and I can master healing, then I can get a roof over my head, clothes on my back, food on my table, take care of my family, and have a healthy body. I don't know why people think that's weird. And especially since it's all through the Bible, Old Testament, and New. God's never tried to get your money. People hate tithing. They hate giving because God's trying to get my money. God doesn't need your money. He's trying to help you. God said, as long as time remains, there will be seed time and harvest. So here I'm telling you how to get harvest, how to get money, how to get increase, how to get abundance, how to get blessed. It's by planting seeds. 
That's for your benefit. That's not for God's benefit. That's for your benefit. And then people get mad about it and say, oh, you prosperity preachers. I get irritated when I look at Google or, or somebody sends me articles and stuff, and they're, they're talking about some preachers, pretty famous preachers, some of them even friends of mine, says, he's one of those prosperity preachers. I say, oh, no, he's not. He doesn't even believe in prosperity. <laughs> you know, he doesn't like those of us that do. But he's lumped in with us, you know, because, because the people are ignorant. And they just throw stuff together. But to me, the more I can teach you about prosperity and the more I can teach you about health and the more I can teach you about marriage, the more I can teach you about keeping your kids out of jail <laughs> and off the drugs and out of the grave, then the better off you are. And that's for your benefit. That's not for God's benefit. Amen. I just did that series when they held up there on, on, on living to give. I, uh, I'd love just to spend some time on that with you. That, that, that's something that God showed me 55 years ago from a missionary in Mexico who's my spiritual father. It has been my spiritual father since I was 18 years old, which makes it 55 years now. Uh, and, 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 and when we leave here next week, we're going down to Mexico City for his 101st birthday. And, and, uh, and I learned living to give, talking to him, listening to him, but mostly watching him. It wasn't a sermon I heard. It was a lifestyle I watched. And I told my first wife, Jackie, the first time we were ever through her house in and and, and, and a way back way uh, years ago, uh, I said, these people are not doing what we do. I said, we're, we're, we are giving in order to live because we learn that from the Bible and learn that from God and learn that from some preachers that if you have a need you can plant a seed and then you can get a harvest and you can pay off the need so so you're you're giving to live and that'll work for you nothing wrong with that that'll work I said but they're not doing that this family here in Mexico City they're not doing that they're 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 actually they're actually living with the purpose of giving they're actually living on planet Earth with no other purpose except to bless people. And they're faith missionaries. These people aren't rich. I mean, they're, they're living by faith missionaries. They had three teenage kids in school. And I just said, I told Jackie, I said, watch this. Watch what they're doing. Watch how they live. Listen how they talk. And, and there in their guest room one night, I, I said to her, I said, all right, I've made a decision from this day forward. We are, we are going to embrace this lifestyle of living to give. I said, I don't know all I know, need to know about it right now, but I'm going to dig into it, and I'm going to get in it, and I'm going to figure it out. And, and, I'm gonna, and a lot of people quote it like a, like a parrot. They hear me or they hear Brother Wayne, you know, say living to give. And that, so they, they quote, I mean, decades ago, Brother Copeland called and said, Hey, can, is it okay if our head Jerry Savelle called me? And he said, Brother Coven wants to know if it's okay if he and I use your phrase, uh, living to give. And I said, well, yeah, it's not my phrase. I said, I got it from Wayne Myers in Mexico, and he got it from the Holy Ghost. So just help yourself. I said, if you and, I said Jerry, if you and Kenneth say it, you got a bigger audience than I do and a bigger platform, so maybe, maybe more people will believe it. And so for years, Brother Copeland would go into his meetings and they'd have a big sign up that says, this ministry is living to give. You know, and, and then... Uh, 
but, but, but it comes and goes. You see it come and go with people. They pick it up, lay it down, pick it up, lay it down. Well, I picked it up 55 years ago, and I've never laid it down. I'm not ever going to lay it down because I know what it's done for me. I know what it's done for other people. The, the things that Renee and I do with our, with our organization called JMICF, Jackie Mizer National Children's Foundation, which is separate from our ministry, you know, we, help, we, help, uh, 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 we dig water wells for people, water's life. We dig water wells in Africa and India and places like that. We, we, uh, we have orphans all over the world. We, we give to stop human trafficking. Uh, we bought a, a, a tractor and a plow in Zimbabwe to, so an orphanage could just grow their own food, you know. And then I said earlier we gave the van this last year to this Ukraine couple in Ukraine. And, and we're just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving all the time. And, and happy to do it, delighted to do it. I mean, I mean, we're looking for places to give, you know. And so the more money we got, the more money we can give away. And uh, I, I just want more and more. Renee came to me the other day, about what well, about two months ago now, and she said, "Darling, I believe, I believe this year, I believe we could feed seven thousand orphans a month." And I said, seven thousand a month?" She said, "I believe we can do that." And I said, well, "Here, well, baby, here's the deal." I said, I'm happy about it. I'm willing to do it. I think it would be marvelous. I said, but when you're dealing with orphans, I've got to know, I've got to know <laughs> that we can do it because I just can't go to the orphans one month and say, sorry, you don't get to eat this week because I, my partners didn't give. Right. <coughs> I mean, I'm talking about orphans. Yeah. You know, and in third world nations, I mean, they're dependent on us to eat. And so the more I commit to, I've got to know that I'm going to come up with that money because I just can't go to them and say, sorry, i got a partner church in Texas or in New Jersey or in Connecticut or somewhere. They're, they're just decided they're not going to give to orphans anymore, so you don't get to eat. I can't do that. You know, once I put my name out there on it, heaven and hell, heaven's going to back it and hell's going to fight it. That's right. That's right. Amen. And I've got Gloria Coleman said years and years and years ago. She said, she said, the devil's voted against you. God's voted for you in every area. It's up to you to cast it aside and vote. So whoever you vote with, it's going to be two to one against the other. If you agree with the devil, he wins. You agree with God, he wins. Amen. So uh, there should be brochures out there on the table of, of JMICF that we, we did at Christmas time that you'd be able to get and look at. Otherwise, you can go online and find it online because it, it's very impressive that what we were able to do and what God's been able to do. And, and we're not quitting. We're just going more and more and more. And, and Renee just keeps pushing the envelopes. I think we can feed this many kids. I think we can feed this many kids. I think we can do this. And so uh, we're, uh, we're working on it. And that's, that's, that's just totally separate from our ministry where we go overseas and win souls and have healings and miracles and train pastors and so on and so on. That's also expensive. Like she said, I've been doing this for 55 years and God's paid for every trip, you know. I mean, the times I've gone and had pastors, you know, I showed up in Romania one time. I'd invited 200 Romanian pastors to come, and I'm going to teach them, put them in a hotel, and feed them three meals a day, and I'm paying for all that. And I got there, and instead of 200 being there, like I thought, there was 400. And I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry. What's the deal? You know, there's twice as many as I invited. I invited 200, and there's four. And I said, you know, y'all, if you didn't get an invitation from me, you, I, can't, I can't accommodate you this time. I'll have to get you next time. And they just cried, oh, Brother Terry, nobody will preach to us. And, you know, and, you know we, we need the word, too. We need God. Finally, I said, oh, come on in. So I just, when I did that, I doubled my budget, you know. 
all of a sudden the hotel was double, the food was double, you know. And so I didn't have the money to pay for it. I had the money to pay for the two, but not for the four. So when I left, I just took out several credit cards and paid them all off on these credit cards and came back home. And a pastor friend of mine uh, heard about it. And uh, he called me in to preach for him. And I went in to preach for him. And he sat me down. He said, come into my office. I want to talk to you. And I went in his office and sat down. He said, Terry, he said, you, uh, you need to learn how to budget. I said, I do. He said, yeah. He said, uh, I heard you went over there to feed, to, to take care of 200 gypsy pastors, and you did four, doubled your budget, and didn't have the money. I said, well, part of that's right. I said, you know, I, I, I didn't have the money, but I paid the bill. And I said, now I'm just believing God to pay the credit cards. And he said, well, you, you just need to understand how to budget. I said, I said, pastor, good friend of mine. I said, pastor, I said, it's really easy for you to sit here in the United States in your air-conditioned office, in your big salary from your church, in your jet that you fly, in your cars that you have, and, and criticize me for not knowing how to budget. I said, because you do it generically on paper. I'm dealing with real people. I'm there where people are pulling on me and saying, please, 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 please teach me the word. Please teach us the word. Please teach, nobody else will teach us. Please teach us the word. I said, you, you're not getting the emotion. You're not getting the, you know, you're just doing it sterile here in your office. And I said, I know how to budget. It's just math. I said, you know, I know how to add and subtract. And I said, you know, when, you're, when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. I got that. I, I understand that. I said, I didn't go over there on purpose to be stupid. I said, I had a budget, <laughs> and it was for 200 pastors for their hotel and for their meals and I had the money in my pocket I had the budget I said the budget is double because I had double pastors come crying and begging please don't turn us away please teach us the word please teach us the word I said what would you have done not sitting here in your nice air conditioned office boy what if you was over there with me they're looking you in the eye saying please teach us the word the word's life to us please teach us the word I said you'd do just what I did and I said, God will take care of it. God will pay it off. He said, well, I know he is because he told me to pay it off. So here's a check for 40. Here's, he said, here's a check for $40,000. I said, yeah. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, but I don't go over there just to do, be stupid. I don't go over there just to try to get in trouble. You know, but sometimes you just, when you're dealing with real people. Amen. Bob and Ned were with me in, in Thailand one time, and we had, uh, what, 700 pastors? We were supposed to be four, and 700 showed up. And, uh, and, and an organization here in the States, a minister's organization, had said to me, it was my meeting, but they called me, and they said, hey, could we put our name on that and be our, be our meeting so we can tell our members that we're doing something for missions, blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, I said, are you going to pay for it? And they said, yeah, we'll pay for it. And I said, okay. I said, the budget's $13,000. And they said, okay. We got it. Well, when they said they got it, I got to quit believing for it. I've always believed for it and used my faith and believed it in. But once they said we got it, we'll, we'll cover it, then I, I turned my faith to do something else. And as time got closer, I started making commitments to buy food and making commitments for the hotels and making commitments for the, for the cars and the drivers and, and the interpreters and all the stuff you got to have. And, 
And then just about two weeks before I left, I called the, that office up and said, okay, guys, I'm leaving, so y'all need to cut me a check for 13000 And they said, uh, Brother Terry, we don't have it. And I said, you what? They said, we don't have it. I said, well, you've got to come up with it. You committed it. You promised it. Well, we can't. I said, well, my name's on the line. I can't just tell those guys, sorry, I'm not coming. Sorry, you don't get to eat. I said, I've already hired cooks. I've already bought food. <clears throat> I already committed for it. And uh, they said, we're sorry. Well, you know, that just doesn't go very far. And so I went and I got on my faith and started believing God and believing God and believing God and believing God. And a little money came in here and there, but, you know, I was way behind the eight ball. And as it came, the day came for us to leave and pay all the bills, well, I, I borrowed some money from Bob and Ned, borrowed some money from somebody else, borrowed some money from another missionary, and uh, paid off the 13000 And I came home, and I paid off the 13000 and paid them back. But, you know, you can't just, you know, you can't just say, oh, you Because this isn't about me getting money. <laughs> it's about feeding them, helping them, blessing them, ministering to them. And all that I learned on how to do that from, from living to give. And that's why I just came out with that, that brand new series. So you, you ought to get that series. That series is invaluable. There's no telling how much money that thing's worth you know, to, uh, of living to give. But just real quickly, it's uh, 10 minutes to 1. So I don't know what time y'all are used to getting out. Let me give you at least a scripture. And you're used to getting out at 12? How's it? A.M. or P.M.? I'll let you out by 12 tonight, I promise. I, uh, I don't understand how you can start at 1030 and expect to be through by 12. Are y'all Presbyterian or something? I, I don't even know how that, I don't even know how that works. Let me just give you a basis for scripture, and I'll pick it up later. But the whole book of Third John, the whole book, it's only 14 verses long. It's only 14 verses. And we won't even use the last, we'll just use the first eight. Because John actually has a two-pronged letter here. He's 90 years old. That tells me something. Somebody's that, that old, he's not a snotty-nosed kid out of Bible school. I mean, he's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, right? He knows what he's talking about. Uh, and so he took pen in hand or quill in hand to write to the local church. Because that's what epistles are. It says the third epistle of John. Epistle means letter. I used to think that an epistle was a wife and an apostle, but that's not true. And uh, it just means letter. So all the New Testament uh, is just, it's just letters. You know, it's, it's the Gospels, which is about Jesus. And it's the book of Acts, which is about the church, the first church starting. And then from then on, it's just great missionary statesmen, Peter, James, Paul, John, missionaries, everyone, writing missions letters to missions churches. That's all it is. Paul to the Romans, Paul to the Corinthians, to the, you know, Titus, Timothy, you know. And so that's what this, and so this, this third letter of John, in these first eight verses, he, he says, the, the, the elder to the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. I told you, when these guys use the word truth, they're talking about the word of God. All right, beloved. Now, if he says beloved, that means he's talking to Christians, right? He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to Christians. Beloved, I wish, wish in the Bible word, if you look in the margin, it says prayer, desire. I pray or I desire above all things. A-double-L is the longest word in the Bible. All, when a 90-year-old tells you above everything else, that's saying something. Now, we were just with our three little granddaughters that are eight and six and four, and if they tell me, now, Papa, above everything else, well, that's not much. 
They're thinking ice cream, Cokes, you know, that, that, that's as high as they can think, right? But when a 90-year-old who's been there done that, who's been boiled in oil to kill him and he couldn't, wouldn't die, who's been exiled to the Isle of Patmos, who knew Jesus personally, who knew all those other disciples personally, who had miracles in his own life, knew a young whippersnapper by the name of Paul who had a miracle true of his own. And, and I mean, this guy's saying something. When he says now above everything else, that's, that's, that's really saying something. So, beloved, I pray, I desire above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. First time I read that as a teenager, I said, John, why? What do you care if I prosper or not? What do you, what, what does it make some price eggs in China if, I, if I'm healthy or sick, rich or poor? What, why, why would you say that? With all this great ministry you have, with all the things you've done for God, here you are at the end of your life, the end of your ministry, you're done. You're about to write this and go die. And you say now, above everything else, I want you to prosper and be healthy. I said, John, why, why, why wouldn't you say something spiritual? Why would you say something so carnal? Talking about money and health. Why wouldn't you say, beloved, above everything else, I want you to build a church. I want you to build a Bible school. I want you to speak in tongues. Why wouldn't you have said something spiritual? You, you said something as carnal as above everything else, money and health. Huh. Then I said, well, Holy Spirit, you wrote this book. So actually you're saying it. You're saying, I, the Holy Ghost, above everything else, want you to prosper and be healthy. And I said, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you say something spiritual? Why would you stoop so low as to say, above everything else, you want me to prosper and be healthy? What difference does it make? Why do you care? If I'm sick, if I'm poor, if I'm, if I'm healthy, sick, rich, poor, what do you care? Why is, that, why is that a big deal to you? And then I said, Lord, this is your word. It's God's word. So actually, you're saying it. You're saying above everything else. I said, in fact, I, even did the, I was a teenager, and I did the Lord like this. I said, have you read this? <laughs> I said, there's some really good stuff in here. And you said at the back of the book, you said, now, above everything else. I said, all this stuff, above all this stuff, you're telling me now, at the end of the book, above everything else, you want me to prosper and be healthy? Why? And then I said, devil, what about you? I know you want the opposite of what God wants, so if he wants me rich and uh, prosperous and healthy, that means you're going to want me poor and sick. What do you care? What difference does it make to you? What difference does it make to you if I'm sick or, or, or poor? There's got to be an answer. And so I went on reading it. And he said, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came, brethren are Christians, and testified of the what? The truth, the word of God, that's in thee, even as thou walk in the what? The truth. Verse 4, I just always call this a preacher's verse. Any pastor would say this. Any, any parent would say this about their children. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth of the word of God. What a delight that is for a pastor to say or a parent, parent to say, I have no greater joy than to know my kids are walking in the truth. Right? And then he says, Sorry, I'm still not sure about that. Well, I am. That's why I don't ask you. 
That's why you've never. That's why you've never been part of my life. I just ask God what He wants. I don't want your opinion. And so, uh, so He says, "Beloved," talking about Christians, "You do faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren. Brethren would be what Christians, and to the strangers. That'd be what sinners, right?" So Johnson, so, so verse 5 now is really, really important. Y'all need to put circles and bells and whistles and whatever you do in your Bible around verse 5. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou do to the brethren and to the strangers. Verse 6, which thou have borne witness before of your charity or your love, your generosity before the church, whom if you bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Therefore, for his name's sake, they took nothing, they, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. Verse 8 we'll finish with verse 8. You need to put bells and whistles and circles around verse 8 because this is the second part of a two-part answer. We, therefore, ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth or to the Word of God. Anytime you see truth, it's talking about the Word. So, now there's other verses here. There's verse uh, uh, 9 to 14, but that's, that's talking about the local church that he intended to write to in the first place. And he's talking about a bad guy named Diotrephes and talking about a good guy named Demetrius, both in the church. And he says, Diotrephes is such a bad guy that when I get there, I'm going to yank the slack out of him. And I, I bet he did too. And he said, now, Diotrephes is a good guy. And, and, and then he ends it by saying, now, I, I was going to write you more with ink and pen, but I won't now. I'll just wait till I see you face to face. And, uh, and signs it off. Love your big brother, John. It's just a letter. But, but the eight, nine to 14 was written by John to the church. Verse 1 to verse 8 was written by the Holy Ghost to us. The Holy Ghost looked down 2,000 years and said, you know what, those folks in Punta Gorda are going to need this in uh, 2023. So this is a holy word for every Christian everywhere for all time. So what he's saying here is, listen, let's go over it again. I, I, I pray, I desire above everything else, above all. If I could just tell you one secret in my 90 years, being beaten, being boiled in oil, being exiled, to, to being abused, misused, knowing Jesus, knowing the other disciples, having miracles, preaching the gospel, watching Jesus crucified, watching him dead, watching him raised up, watching him go into heaven. If I could just tell you one thing, it would be this. I want you to prosper. And I want you to be healthy. Bill, that carries a lot of weight. Can you imagine him coming over and saying, now, Bill, you know me. I, I've been here 90 years. I, I, I've raised the dead. I've cast out devils. I've had blind eyes open. I, I've eaten at the table with Jesus. I mean, I know Paul. I know, I know James. I know, I know. These are my people, you know. We watched him die. We watched his intestines hanging out. We watched him buried. Uh, we saw him later with 500 of us watched him ascend into heaven. But if I, above all that, if I could just tell you one thing. Well, Listen to me, Bill. If I could just tell you one thing, get this one thing, because I'm not going to be around very much longer. Get this one thing. I want you to prosper, and I want you to be healthy. That carries a lot of weight, doesn't it? And so the question is, Why? Why, John? Why do you care? Why do you care if I have a car or not, or if I live in a house or not, or if I... Why do you care if I'm healthy or not? What, what, what 
What difference does it make? Well, he tells you in verse 5 and verse 8. He says, it's so that you can do good to the brethren and good to the stranger. In verse 8, so you can be fellow helper to getting the truth out. So what's John saying? He's saying, look, I've been around a long time. And if you're going to fulfill the Great Commission, if you're going to do what Jesus said do, if you're going to do what God said do, God told Adam and Eve in the garden, here's your, here's your purpose, give me a family, multiply and be fruitful. When that didn't work and I flooded the place, killed everybody except eight people, and they came out of the boat, I said to them, all right, here's your purpose, write this down, multiply and be fruitful, give me a family. Then Jesus came and he died and he rose again. And just before he went into heaven, he said, all right, guys, write this down. Here's your purpose. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. These signs follow them that believe. He said, or give God a family. Where in the Old Testament, you can only give God a family by, by, by taking a wife and, 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 and having pure marital love. And nine months later, you give God a family, a baby. But with, now that Jesus is caused born again to be a factor, now you can have 100,000 babies in a night, right? You still, I, tell, I used to tell Jackie when she wrote Supernatural Childbirth, I said, I, said, I have 100,000 babies in one night. You know, that's supernatural childbirth. But, but that's, that's, that's still the plan. See, God, John couldn't change what God said. Jesus couldn't change what God said. They've all got to go along with the give me the family because that's the purpose. God wants a family. And so... They just kept saying, multiply and be fruitful, multiply and be fruitful. Then when Jesus came along, he changed it because now you can win Gentiles as well as Jews. So he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes baptized shall be saved, and he who believes not shall be damned. Right? And then at the end, John can't change it. He can't come up with his own idea now. He's got to stay with what God and Jesus said. So he says this. He said, well, I realize you're going to have to fulfill the Great Commission. You're going to have to get the gospel of the world. You're going to have to give God a family. So if you're going to do that, here's what you need. You need health and money. If you're going to get the job done, you're going to have to have health. It's going to cost you health. And if you're going to get the job done, it's going to cost you money. You need money. Isn't that amazing? Roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on your table, take care of your family, have a healthy body. That's the plan. So if you've never, ever liked a, quote, prosperity message before, you should like this one. And I've had people come to me from all over the world when I've preached and said, Brother Jay, I've hated prosperity message. I've never heard one ever I liked until today. That's the f I, now I understand what prosperity is for. Yeah, because it's not about Cadillacs, condominiums, and cruisers. It's not about gimme, 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 mine, 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 me, 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 me. I got 10 of these and I need 15 more. No, it's about you can have your needs met and have enough left over to get other people's needs met. Amen. And that's what that's all about. So come back tonight, come back tomorrow night, and we'll get into this living to give stuff a little bit, and then we'll go one more direction. I've got three services. I want to milk all three of them as much as I can, and uh, then uh, we'll uh, believe God to do what he wants to do. Amen? Amen? Well, Pastor, come on. Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. God is good, isn't he? He is. Amen. You know, lots of nuggets in what you heard today. A lot of them. And there's a lot you can take and you can run with.
and um, <clears throat> it's only going to be. Uh, John Osteen, who was just a fabulous pastor and one of my spiritual fathers, uh, made this statement a number of times. He said, uh, God said to you to live in several places in the Bible. And you remember he said, I said before you this day, blessing and cursing, life and death, Psst, choose life. Yeah. Right? And he said, he said, I want you to live, 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 several times, live. So because you belong to God, you're his child, and he's God, and he's commanded you to live, then you need to start setting your faith in that area of living. And he used to say this. He said, because God said live, then you can live without a liver. He said, you can live without a heart. You can live without kidneys. You can live without a brain. Because God said live. He said, our problem is we don't believe that. And so the doctor says, oh, you've got this problem. Said, oh, I'm dead. You know, But that came in my spirit so many times just while I was preaching today. So I don't know if it's for a person or somebody online or somebody, whatever. But John Osteen, he'd say that so much. He'd say, you can live without a liver. So realize that God has commanded us to live. That's not a stingy thing on your part. That's not something you want. No, that's something God wants. He told you to live. He wants you to live. Living is a command to you. And so you need to set your faith in that area that God said live, so I'm going to live. Y'all can just have that for free. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. You know, that's so true that, you know, we walk in the promises of God, not because of what we want, but because it's the promise of God. And he paid the price for us to have those things. Isn't that right? And we walk in those promises to honor our God. The more we walk in them, the more we honor God. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, the, the house of God is a, God of, is a house of miracles. Okay. And it's setting our faith on those things to receive what God has for us in his house. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to receive uh, an offering for the church of bringing in our, uh, our tithes and our offerings and sowing seed. Um, we thank God that he's given us a place that we can meet and assemble and uh, <clears throat> join in together in a corporate anointing. And allow God to move in us, move for us, move through us. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you, Father, for this opportunity to bring the seed in, to bring our tithe in. We thank you, Father, for the promises that you have attached. That every time, every time that we bring a tithe in to the storehouse, that you open the windows of heaven and you pour out a blessing till there's not room enough to receive it. You rebuke the devourer for our sake, and the vine in the field does not cast its grace before its time. Father, I thank you that for every time that we sow a seed, that you said that you will multiply back to us seed for sowing and also increase the harvest that comes from our righteous act of giving. So, Father, we thank you for that, that as we sow and as we give, Father, we do so by faith and releasing into our life that which you have promised us. And we receive those things by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. If you're giving by cash or by credit card, there's an envelope on the seat back in front of you that you can use. 
Uh, if you're giving by check, just make it out to New Life. And uh, we thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. Thank you on live stream, uh, podcast, however you may have connected today. We thank you that we joined together under the word of God. And I know that whether in the room or on live stream, that the word of God touches you, affects you right where you're at. And all you need is just one word from God to change things in your life. Change the way you think. Change your perspective. Take hold of what God has for you. Amen. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to newlifefamilyworship.net, and you can click on the giving link. I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow, and if there's anything at all that we can stand in prayer with you about, we always consider it an honor and a privilege to pray with our partners for your needs to be met. Amen.